Welcome to How to Commit Journalism, part of Capital Broadcasting's podcast network, where we pull back the curtain on journalism and give you a behind-the-scenes look, a backstory behind the big story. I'm Enterprise Executive Producer Ashley Talley here at WRAL. Leila Santiago was a reporter and anchor here in Raleigh several years ago. Before joining us, she worked in Charlottesville, Virginia, in Anchorage, Alaska, Bakersfield, California. But as a reporter and anchor in Raleigh, she was able to cover some really amazing things from hurricanes and tornadoes to actually producing her own documentary called The Journey Alone, which won the Alfred DuPont Award, which is a very prestigious journalism award. It was about illegal immigration of, of unaccompanied minors, and she actually traveled to the Rio Grande to talk with them. When she left WRAL in 2016, she left for the big leagues. She's a national correspondent with CNN now. She was based in Mexico City, first of all, but now she's based in D.C., though she lives outside the city in Virginia. I talked to her from her home today. Is your beat coronavirus? Yeah, uh, I'm focused right now on supplies, um, the supplies that are coming in from overseas, the supplies that are being manufactured, um, the the lack of supplies, the allocation of supplies. Um, I'm just on this big, like, um, you know, hunt and search for where these supplies come from and where they end up going. I mean, that is a massive story to t- to take on. Do you feel like you've had any uh, breakthroughs when it comes to that story? Have you, you know, discovered any real issues? Yeah, well, um, first of all, I mean, and, and this isn't unique to CNN. I think anytime you have a good team, um, you are going to have breakthrough and, and have some success. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to be on a really good team um, working to really get a better understanding of the response. Because while I have certainly worked disaster um, covering hurricanes at WREL, covering hurricanes for CNN, um, floods, etc., this could very well be classified as a disaster, but it's a different type of crisis, right? So um, I'm constantly trying to go through FEMA, HHS. Um, I make it a point to go to local governments because what I have found in disaster times is that the federal response and the state response is, is one thing, but where you really get to the nitty gritty of like who's getting what, right? The allocation. That's where local governments really have a handle on it um, in a way that the other levels may not. So I, I've we've tried to get an understanding of what's going on because this is something unique, right? That FEMA does not typically respond to pandemics. Um, HHS doesn't typically work with FEMA responding to health um, issues. So understanding how they're going about it and and what they know, and more importantly, what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, has been sort of the name of the game and in, in, in trying to get a grasp on PPE, gowns, pharmaceuticals, um, ventilators, all, all those keywords that are now a part of everyday life. Is there any precedent for these agencies working together in our lifetimes? You know, they're, um, one of the things that uh, FEMA pointed out when I asked when was the last time they dealt with something like this, um, many will point to the response from FEMA for the West Nile virus, but that was uh, in Florida, and that was a very different, um, obviously a very different uh, level of of need at the time. It wasn't, um, it was not nationwide, and it certainly was not as um, all hands on deck. You know, a lot right. of the states 
when there's a crisis, when there's a hurricane, when West Nile is getting a little out of control, um, the federal government can help and they can also depend on each other, right? Mutual aid is such a big part of crisis management and disaster relief in a lot of cases. But what do you do when all the states are in trouble and when then you think, okay, well, what about on the global level? And the rest of the world is dealing with the same thing. You know, that, that's where the, the crisis management is very unique here. And are you and your team doing all of this from home? Um, so our team is, is mostly um, telework, but we have, you know, a daily meeting. I think what I'm doing right now is, is something I can do from home, making a lot of phone calls, texts, and um, emails. Um, but there are also things that need to be done outside. So like right now we're trying to track these supplies. Well, the last time I tracked supplies was in Hurricane Maria when, um, FEMA came in with supplies, dropped it off at the, at Fort Buchanan. And then we followed it an hour and a half west to see what, um, vulnerable neighborhood was going to get water. And so like here, we're kind of trying to do the same thing, but again, it's, it's, it's different, right? Like, you can do that when you're on an island that's 100 by 35, right? Because you know you're only going to go but so so far west or south. Um, you know, when you have items that are going every which way, um, that's a little more difficult. Now, we're lucky um, that we have a team around the world and around the country. So, for instance, you know, if we need to track something in Chicago, oh, let's call it the Chicago team. If I need to track mm-hmm. something that's in um, Columbus, Ohio, then I, I call a team that I know could get there in a few hours. So we're definitely, CNN is, is unique in the sense that it's, it's very well placed to be in a lot of places at a time when most can't be. Um, and, and I think now we're finding creative ways to use that more than ever before. And probably more so than any network. I don't know. I just feel like CNN, the business of CNN has been covering the world, not um, I, w- I would expect that you have more resources than even other networks. This is where we lo- we rely on um, our reporters in China, our reporters mm-hmm. in Italy, our reporters um, around the world. One of our reporters, um, the, our reporter who's in Mexico right now is doing a fascinating story about um, how Nicaragua um, really hasn't placed very strict measures to respond, and yet they haven't really seen the president in a few days. So, like, I mean, just these different angles of how right. coronavirus is affecting the world. I heard that that Nicaraguans are actually encouraging people to go to the beach last weekend to celebrate Easter. So, yeah, so like, and that's so important to like look into how is everybody else responding, you know, and, and how do we compare to that? And, and more importantly, those who got to where we are now sooner, like what worked, what didn't, how do right. we learn from others, the, 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 the successes and the, the failures so that we can, you know, well, save lives. Coming up next, Layla talks about what a day in the life of a national correspondent with CNN is like, and also tells us one thing she does every day that helps keep her sane. So what's a day in the life like for you as you're reporting this? Are you doing, you know, Skype interviews? Are you doing television reports? Usually wake up around six o'clock <laughs> and <laughs> I have made it my habit to make 
make sure that I go on a run every morning to get out of my house. I had a good running team in Raleigh, many of the WREL folks. So I miss that very much, but that's my, that's my me time. It's, I wake up at six, probably snooze till 620 and I get mm-hmm. out of bed actually around 630. Um, go out on my run, come back. At that point, I'm looking over feeds and wires and, and newspaper articles and trying to get my, my thoughts together on where I left the day before, right? So what, what still hasn't been answered? So like right now, my big thing is FEMA still has not been able to tell me where the thousands of products that have come in from overseas on FEMA chartered flights where are they being allocated, right? So where are these mm. supplies that taxpayers are paying to fly in? Where are they going? Uh, because we don't have that answer. So I'll usually wake up, kind of, you know, ping FEMA again, ask them a, a set of questions every every morning. And, and, are you, and are you pinging a particular person or contact or is it just sort of a general communications? Yeah, so um, it's a, a general communications, which uh, at, at FEMA, they'll, they'll usually get back to you pretty quickly. Um, and then I'll, from there, you know, start hitting up sources mm-hmm. um, that may be able to provide insight as to where we are on that. Um, and then trying to figure out ways to to get at that that, that might help us, right? So if FEMA is not talking, then, you know, who's storing this equipment? Could we talk to warehouses? Could we talk to distributors? Could we talk to um, the airports, right? If they're landing in Chicago, can we, can we talk to the Chicago airport? What are they seeing? What are they? So ways to, to try to get at that story. And it's, it's, it's just because um, it's important. Lives depend mm-hmm. on that, right? If, if we have a massive shortage, if the, if the stockpile has been depleted, and taxpayers are paying for FEMA to charter flights over to accelerate that process, mm-hmm. then where are these supplies going? And they should be able to tell you. I mean, that's, yeah. In, in theory, and, and look, this, this is a disaster, and this is a disaster um, response that, that, um, that, that is unique. It's the first time that anyone has had to respond to this. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, when someone says, well, we're, you know, this is, this is the first time there's truth to that, right? <laughs> there's merit right. to that argument. But at the same time, when there are lives at stake um, and, and, and there are questions that, that should have answers, right? Like if, if, a, if, if the federal government is not telling me the way I see it, it's, it's either because they don't know and there could, there could be truth to that, or they don't want me to know. And mm-hmm. there could be truth to that. But either way, that's, that's not a good scenario. So let's get to the bottom of where these supplies are going. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so that's, that's what I've been trying to kind of um, dig through and understand, because um, much like, you know, when you're covering a hurricane or tornado or flooding, um, this isn't just a, a story um, about a headline. I mean, this is a story in which there are lives at stake. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we are, like you said, thinking in headlines or numbers or stats, it's easy to forget the the people side of it. So are you still making appearances on air as well? Or I'll, I'll kind of do the digging for a few days and then I pitch to um, my bosses or the shows and I'll... Um, I'll go like last week. I think I went live last week. Our story got through multiple times. Um, and so we were live, uh, actually from, from Madison County, Virginia, um, not far from where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, you know, so I, I, I spoke to Jake Tapper about it. I spoke to Anderson Cooper about it. Um, and, and, 
and what we talked about the because this is something that's so new and unique um, there's there's a, a lack of understanding especially among states as to who is in charge is it the Health and Human Services Department? Is it FEMA? Is it the mm -hmm. White House Task Force? Is it the White House themselves? Um, there's a lot of confusion on that. Uh, and so uh, that was our story last week. So you pitch and it's by show. They, like they decide what's going to be the content of that show for that day and your, whether your piece fits in it is how it's determined whether, when you're on? You're definitely pitching um, story ideas based off of what you have. I'll send that into a team, and then that kind of makes its way um, through our own uh, news gathering efforts. And then mm -hmm. the show will say, "Let's let's get that on. Um, that's important." And so we we we, go, we talked about that, and then we also talked about um, the fact that the supplies that are coming in right now overseas, half of them, FEMA and HHS, are um, providing guidance to the companies, saying, "Hey, these are the prioritized hotspots." Uh, you are to get half of your supplies here because we chartered it in. Mm -hmm. And then the other half, the company uh, gets to their normal clients, uh, mm -hmm. which are health systems. And so, you know, we, we told that story about how half of the supplies are going to these prioritized hotspots. But mm -hmm. again, getting to the allocation issue, FEMA is not releasing what those prioritized hotspots are. So we don't have a way of knowing yet. So just sort of a logistical question. When you say you went live in Madison County, um, do you have a photographer that you regularly work with? Do you all just work with freelancers or how does that work? Yeah, so I am uh, currently working with a freelancer right now. Um, and so uh, we have quite the nice setup where we just will set up where somewhere close to my place. Um, so it's worked out where during the day we we usually go to Madison County and then sometimes in the evenings we'll head out to Culpeper um, mm -hmm. just because of lighting at night and, and signal too, right? Uh, right. You know, where can we, we get a, a good live shot? So, mm -hmm. and that's been interesting. Um, you know, so many people, when you're in a small town, they'll come up to you and say, oh, you know, what's the news? And, and um, you know, I think a lot of people assume it's COVID-19 coverage, but there's also a bit of fear when they ask, like, oh, no, what happened? You know, mm -hmm. because you're in their town doing, you know, reporting the news. And right. so it's, it's been interesting to see a, a, a people how when they ask about what we're covering, um, at least with one woman I spoke to, of course, six feet away. <laughs> um, <laughs> you could kind of see that there was concern, you know, like, oh, no, what's happening now in our town? Right? People yeah. worried about... What, 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 what do you know, you know, and how does that impact me? Because we're all impacted by this. In the next section, Layla talks about something her husband had to tell her to stop doing that came as a little bit of a surprise. So you covered Latin America for several years for, for CNN. I wonder, how does that inform your coverage now? Do you still look at things or think about them through the lens of how is this affecting um, Latinos or, you know, Hispanics in America? Every stop I've made in my career has, like, I can point to exactly kind of what I really took away, right? Uh -huh. So, like, in Charlottesville, I, I learned how to cover breaking news. And in Alaska, I learned how to really tell a story and, and um you know, make a story flow. In, in California, I learned how to anchor. In Raleigh, 
I was given an opportunity to really do long format pieces, so documentaries, and that's what I really learned. And so I think one of the things I took away from covering Latin America in general was, A, I was learning the ropes of network news, and so that was big for me. But also, um, I learned how big of a deal it is to sort of meet people where they are, right? So when um, a lot of times people will make a big deal of like, oh yeah, you know, you're bilingual, so you can you can talk to people in Latin America. And I, and I always make it a point to correct them and say, I am bilingual, but more importantly, I'm bicultural. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to that, um, to sing to someone, hey, like, I, I'm, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to label you. I'm here to hear you, to listen to what you have to say. And I had to do that so much in covering Latin America because I covered um, one of the worst hurricanes in the mm. history of, of the small island I call home. And I also covered a lot of caravans. Um, and so you, you are talking to people who at times are incredibly vulnerable, um, if not at one of the worst moments in their lives and desperation is at its peak. And I, and I, and I think it's important to take that through to this, right? Mm-hmm. That this is also a point where people are very vulnerable and people um, in some cases are desperate. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think we could all use a little compassion in understanding what the struggles are for different people because they're very different. Um, and I think that I certainly learned a lot about Latin America. I certainly loved every minute of learning um, how diverse every country is. Um, but, and when I say diverse, it's just, you know, how different Mexico can be from Puerto Rico, from Cuba, from uh, mm-hmm. Nicaragua, et cetera. Um, but I think the big takeaway there is that, um, you know, I was given an opportunity to cover stories that will will stay with me forever. And, and, and I hope, um, will continue to, to influence me and in how I approach people during some of the worst moments of their lives, Absolutely. which can definitely be applied now. But the difference is when you're covering a hurricane, you can follow that truck with the water supply though, right? You can, you can go to somebody and, and ask them how they're feeling. In this, because of that physical distance, it's, it's, I'm, I'm wondering if you're, you're finding it harder to you know, feel like you're connecting with people on a one-on-one level. Yeah. You know, um, I joke because, um, before, so I went to cover, uh, Florida, specifically Clearwater when the beaches were still open. And, um, my husband Zach (laughs) said to me, you know, we, we were sitting down having dinner and he just said, Hey, um, you gotta stop touching people. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, well, that's an awkward thing for your husband to say to you, right? <laughs> um, but but I, I got it. I knew what he was talking about. You know, I am, I'm a hugger. I'm, a, yeah. I'm the person that's going to, you know, pat your back if I see you struggling. I'm going to, you know, touch your shoulder and, and let you know I hear you. Um, I, you know, when I, when I was at, um, in Tijuana in the camps, for a lot of the migrants, you know, I, 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 I absolutely understood when people wore masks, but I, I didn't just because I, I didn't want them to think that I, I was afraid of them in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm that person who gets up close. That's not possible here. You know, you, you gotta stay pretty far away from people. And, 
And I, I, I do think you lose something when you can't touch someone and reach out. And I get it. Not everybody loves that. I get it. I still sometimes wonder how long before we feel comfortable doing that again, or will we? That certainly changed how, um, how I behave in the field. Um, and, and the other thing is when we were out on the beach, you know, I, I, I thought I was maintaining um, a good amount of distance. And then there were times where I would look at the, I would look back at the video and say, oh, that's not six feet, you know, because you just don't <laughs> even realize how close that is, you know, right, um, right. or, or how far that is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's tough. And especially, you know, for, for, you know, I'm, I'm covering the federal agency, but for the colleagues of mine that are talking to victims and that's, that's tough. That's tough. Well, Layla, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thanks so much and stay healthy. How to Commit Journalism is a podcast in Capital Broadcasting's podcast network. Head to WREL.com and search either podcast or How to Commit Journalism, where you can subscribe to this podcast or any of our other podcasts created by WREL. You'll also find there a daily update that we're doing with everything that you need to know about coronavirus. Thanks for listening.